Good morning. It is great to be back with you all, and it's great to uh, be able to, to speak here again and be able to uh, continue the study that we've been doing. We have been studying through the book of Acts, and we're going to continue to do that this morning. Um, when you read through the book of Acts, something, uh, to me at least, just jumps off page after page after page as you go through it, and it's the idea that the ministry of Christ is far from boring. Uh, the ministry of Christ is very, very exciting. If you want an exciting life, get into ministry. Uh, one of the things that I love doing is sitting around with other ministers and with uh, a lot of times older ministers and listening to stories. Because some of the best stories you'll ever hear are some of the crazy things happen that happen in ministry. Uh, when people are serving the Lord, you run into all kinds of different types of people. You, know, I, you, you run into all kinds of strange scenarios that people don't ordinarily run into. And, and uh, it, it's, sometimes it's difficult to be sure, but it's always exciting. There's always something new going on. And I can't help but imagine Paul had the best stories in the world. Uh, I can't help but imagine, you know, Paul sitting there with Luke and talking about, remember that riot we started in Ephesus? Uh, that's where we're going to be today, by the way. But, uh, but it's exciting. I, and, and I am serious about that. If you've never, um, you know, I, I go to a preacher training camp uh, every year. And something that I am very, very thankful for is that from a young age, I considered ministry a real possibility. And uh, it's something that, you know, others in my family had done and something that, uh, that uh, I started, you know, I started preaching out when I was in high school and I'd go around to different churches and preach on Sundays. And uh, people were always really encouraging to me. And I think if it weren't for the encouragement of, of other people, it probably isn't something I would have done. Uh, and so I want to make sure that I encourage uh, people from time to time no matter your age, uh, teach people about Jesus. And if you are looking towards your future, what would be a, a good thing to do and a valuable thing to do? Get into ministry. Seriously, it's, it would be a tremendous blessing to you and to the kingdom of God. But here we're going to look at Paul's ministry for a little bit, and we're going to talk about some things that happen. Uh, He's going to be in Ephesus. Well, at least he's going to get to Ephesus, and that's where we're going to be in, in our lesson this morning. We're going to uh, get to Acts, or to chapter 19, but to start off, I just want to note how many great things keep happening in the ministry of Paul. To say great things are happening is not to say that there aren't difficulties. Almost every great thing that happens is met with some sort of difficulty or trial, but that's what ministry is, and that's what serving the Lord is. That's what a life of, of obedience to Christ is. It is obstacle and victory and finding ways for them to mingle and mesh and work together and you end up through the resurrection of Jesus being the ultimate victor over all the pains and suffering and death of this world but throughout life you have the that on a small scale day after day obstacles and victories and trying to see where the victory is going to come from and going to God in prayer knowing that victory comes from him but we you, you see that throughout Acts I want to read a couple of passages that uh, just show the constant great things that are happening. Look at Acts chapter 18, verses 22 and 23. This is the conclusion of what we often call the second missionary journey and the beginning of what is often called the third missionary journey. In verse 22 of Acts 18, it says, When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and went down to Antioch. And having spent some time there, he left and passed successively through the Galatian region and Phrygia, uh, strengthening the, all the disciples. 
Right, that's a pretty, you know, that's not an action-packed couple of verses, it doesn't seem like, but some important things happen there. One of them is him going back to Antioch. That's where all this stuff started, these missionary journeys, way back in Acts chapter 13. That's a church that, as you're reading Acts, it doesn't get nearly the, the press, I guess, that some of the other churches get. And, and not most of the exciting stories happen there. But all of these things that Paul is doing on these missionary journeys, he is in partnership, fellowship, and participation with the church at Antioch. They are who laid hands on him and who sent him out at the beginning. And so as he goes and he teaches the gospel in Lystra or he goes to Philippi or, or when he's arrested, they're suffering with him. When people are converted, they're converting people with him. When the gospel is proclaimed, they're proclaiming the gospel with him because they're partners together in the work of Christ. In the church at Antioch, uh, while... While we're not always told what's going on there, we know there was a controversy there that led to Acts 15, this big council in Jerusalem, but we're not always told what's going on there. We know that they are a part of every story that you're reading about Paul and Acts, and that matters. The ministry that Paul is involved in and the excitement that's associated with it is part of the ministry of the church at Antioch, and I think that's important to remember. And then Paul goes through these different regions in verse uh, 23, and he's strengthening all the disciples. These are Christians that he's already taught the gospel to. He's strengthened them already, and he goes back and he sees them again. To Paul, it's very important, not just for there to be a work going on somewhere out there, but to be an active part of it. To be able to go there, to encourage, to strengthen, to be familiar with what they're doing, to help in what they're doing. Because the church at Antioch and the churches in Galatia, they're part of the same team also. That's one of the things I think is so important for us to remember as Christians is we don't always see the good that's taking place in the kingdom of God. And that does not mean there's not tremendous good taking place in the kingdom of God. Uh, I think the more that we can learn about what the church is doing throughout the world, the better we're going to be. There's a mistake that we can sometimes make in thinking that we and our church or our country uh, is like the center of the world and the rest of the world is only as good as we are. And I think that's a very dangerous mistake to make. Um, Christianity from its earliest days has been mobile. Um, Christianity, you can, you can look at different places and you can get discouraged. You can look at some statistics even in the United States. And I see these all the time about like young people leaving the church and people get very discouraged and people talk about how the church is dying. And I would say on the one hand, um, there are some trends certainly that are concerning that we need to be aware of. Uh, but on the other hand, there are pockets. Like for example, I'm quite excited and optimistic about the work that's going on here at Maryville. I think the horizon and the future looks very good for us. And I think that it's something we need to be hopeful and optimistic about and faithful in as we continue to work towards what God has in store. Uh, I've said it before, but as long as God is alive, there's always hope. And I believe that there is tremendous amount of hope here. But also, just because the church might be shrinking in some ways in some parts of the United States or Canada or Europe does not mean that the church is shrinking. Because some parts of the United States and Canada and Europe are not the world. Uh, and there are some places where the church is like blowing up. You know, the, the church is doing incredibly well. It's, it's exploding and people are hearing the gospel and people are hearing of Christ for the first time and giving their lives to him. And it's incredible 
what God can do in different places. You know, it's one of the, uh, the myths that always bugs me is when I hear people talk about Christianity being like, uh, you know, a white people religion or something like that. That is astoundingly condescending to the fact that there are Christians all around the world who are not white and uh, who are just as much Christian and faithful as, as anyone else. As a matter of fact, Christianity didn't start in you know, a white part of the world. Jesus was not white. Christianity is very much global. Christianity is very much one of the most uh, uh, diverse movements in all of world history, and it's very narrow-minded and short-sighted to assume that Christianity is just some part of the American South or something like that. Uh, Christianity is is significantly bigger than that and does significantly more than that. And all of this is to say these missionary journeys are a reminder that Christianity is moving and that Christianity is mobile. And he might have a tough time in Athens and then things go incredibly well uh, in another place. And you can see that happening over and over and over again. And uh, it's a reminder to us today not to get overly discouraged by focusing or zeroing in on one area and one time, but to remember Christianity is for all areas and all times. And uh, to me, that's a word of encouragement. But great things keep happening in the ministry of Paul as you continue to read. Uh, he begins his next missionary journey, and let's look at Acts chapter 18, verses 24 and following. It says, Now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. And this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. And when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And this is one of the most mind-blowing passages in all of the Bible. Uh, we'll keep reading. And it says, And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived, they greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he powerfully refuted, uh, refuted uh, the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Here's what's remarkable about that passage. Someone was teaching about Jesus, but was getting something wrong. He was teaching baptism wrong. Uh, he was acquainted only with the baptism of John. And other Christians didn't come along and say uh, horrible things about him and then go badmouth him behind his back so that he could never teach anywhere else again. Instead, two incredible things happened. One is they took him aside and explained to him more accurately, as like a family would do. If someone's getting something wrong, you, as someone who loves him, you try to teach him. And also incredibly, he listened. He didn't say, how dare you try to correct me? I'm mighty in the scriptures and I'm very eloquent in my speech. Uh, that's not what he did. Instead, he listened to them and he ended up changing what he was teaching. And then they ended up encouraging him and he went and continued to teach. And like, they worked together, even through a misunderstanding. Uh, that's pretty incredible and it's kind of rare. Uh, so I love to see an example of something like that happening in the Bible. And there are examples of that type of thing happening. But, uh, one thing that I would encourage every one of us to be willing to do, to be open to correction, to be open to the understanding of other people as it might help guide us and lead us into a better understanding of the truth, and also to be patient and loving towards people who might not understand things the same way that you do. Uh, that's going to happen. Uh, I mean, it will definitely happen. There's a lot 
that goes into our Bible study that's not just honesty and intelligence. You know, there's, there are a lot of factors that kind of contribute to how we see things. And sometimes being part of a community that uh, not everyone experiences Bible study the same way, it can be helpful when you're open and honest and loving with one another that you can grow together. And so be willing to be patient with people, but also be willing to receive correction yourself. And I think both of those would be really helpful to the church at large. Um, in Acts 19, so what we just saw was Apollos uh, was in Ephesus, and he was teaching things, and he was teaching baptism wrong, and then he got corrected. And then he went on, and he started teaching it right in new areas. Uh, well, Paul eventually goes to Ephesus, and he seems to meet some of those people, probably who heard Apollos, and... Uh, and had the same misunderstanding he did because he meets some people there who were acquainted only with John's baptism. That's what they were baptized into. And so then Paul tries to correct for them what they misunderstood from Apollos. And uh, what you see in chapter 19 and verse 5, it says, And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So what you have right there is, again, people who had heard the word and been baptized— they realize that there was room for correction. They are open and willing to receive that correction. And then they're baptized in the name of Jesus. And Paul is able to uh, teach people, again, to where they understand more accurately uh, what God has uh, in store for them. And they proved to be obedient to it. Um, I would say that's a good example for us as well. You know, similar to what happened with Apollos. Now it happens with Apollos' disciples. And, uh, and being willing to receive honestly the word of God is something that uh, is essential to the health and growth of the church. Then uh, in chapter 19 and verse 8, you have Paul going into a synagogue, and he continued to speak out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. So he's able to teach them. But guess what happens when these great things happen? Uh, obstacles arise, and then you see in verse 9, but some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people. He withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. He, uh, this took place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. All right, so he goes to the synagogues. He's there for three months, and people are being persuaded. But some people start to oppose him. And so instead of giving up teaching, he finds a new place to teach. And guess what? It works out even better. Through this school that he's working with, he's able to teach all throughout Asia. And he's able to do it for years. And so again, obstacles happen. But this is exciting. I would love to get a letter from like Paul saying, I'm teaching in a school and it's going really great. And people all throughout Asia are hearing and say we're part of the church at Antioch. We might not even be there, but we're sharing with that teaching. And we're aware now of some of the great things that are happening because of what Paul is doing. And that's exciting. And that's something that we get to be a part of. And that's something where, because we're all parts of the kingdom of God, you get to share and participate in uh, the goodness of the gospel being spread. You keep reading in Acts chapter 19, verses uh, 17 through 20. This is Paul in, uh, in Ephesus. And this is as a riot is about to begin. Uh, we'll, we'll see how, how things lead to the riot. But in verse 17, 
It says, uh, this became known to all. Uh, so it's kind of a funny story with some uh, false prophets and exorcists. Uh, but this becomes known to all uh, Jews and Greeks who lived in Ephesus. And fear pe- fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. All right. So this is both Jews and Greeks. Jesus is being honored by them. And that's always a good thing. Uh, verse 18. Many of, uh, also of those who had believed kept coming confessing and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. And they counted up the price of them and found that it was 50,000 pieces of silver. Then notice verse 20. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. Here you have people hearing the word of God. And you know what? They had some money in some areas of their life that were incompatible with the gospel. Uh, whether it was making idols or practicing magic and witchcraft and some of their, their uh, you know, sinful, demonic-type practices. And when they hear the gospel, they have a decision to make. I can either suffer financially but receive the truth of God and salvation, or I can just ignore what I'm hearing and keep doing what I'm doing. And you end up finding out a lot of people are willing to make the sacrifice for the gospel. And they're, they're getting rid of their magic books and they're getting rid of their idolatry. But then other people uh, are not quite so willing to do that. And this is where the riot starts. Uh, Basically what happens, some people say, hey, if people keep giving up on idolatry, they're going to end up uh, ignoring the, the temple to Artemis here. It was like a beautiful, magnificent, incredible temple, and it's going to fall into disrepair. And all of those who work at the temple and all of those who make idols, they're going to lose all of their money. And if you want to get a riot started, mess with people's money. And that's what the gospel seems to be doing here. Uh, and so people are giving up on idolatry and other people are saying, you're going to destroy the whole city. You're going to turn the gods against us. You're going, everyone's going to be poor. And so people start chanting out in the streets. Uh, they chant for two hours, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And, and they, they are trying to whip up the crowds against the gospel and against the Christians. And while, notice it says at the top, great things keep happening, and then I have riots down there at the bottom. Uh, I'm not saying that riots are great things, but I'll say this. When God is doing great things in his kingdom, sometimes riots are the result. Uh, Sometimes it causes quite a stir when God is at work. And I think you can see it here. This is one of those stories where ministry is changing the world. And it's not always fun, and it's not always easy. But it's exciting to see what God is going to do. Eventually, uh, the riot comes to a a relatively peaceful conclusion, and uh, and the disciples end up uh, moving on and teaching the gospel in new areas. But great things are happening in the kingdom of God. Okay, Uh, that's my brief summary of Acts, uh, you know, 18 and 19. And there are some things I tried to emphasize in that that might lead to a a good introduction to what I'm now going to talk about for just a few minutes. And that's the fact that great things are still happening. Uh, Great things keep happening here at Maryville and around the world for the kingdom of God. Um, Artan mentioned it uh, during uh, his introduction that... um, that we just got back from Albania and from seeing a lot of the work that's going on there that we as a church are heavily involved in. And I want to say a couple of things about that. Uh, First, I want to thank you very much uh, from the bottom of my heart uh, on behalf of me and my wife 
for the opportunity to go and to, to see the work that we're involved in, to be a part of it, uh, and to be able to work with the churches in Albania. We did have a retreat there. Um, and we went through the Psalms. There were 10 different churches represented. There were different speakers uh, that were there. And uh, it was a whirlwind of a trip. Uh, we were meeting people constantly. I think I spoke between the retreat and the church at Tirana uh, seven times uh, from Wednesday to Sunday. And uh, I got to meet a bunch of people. And Lauren met a bunch of people. And it was one of the most encouraging and best weeks of ministry in my life. Uh, it is something that opened my eyes to a part of the world that I'm going to be completely honest with you, I knew virtually nothing about. When I moved here, I'll tell on my ignorance here, uh, if you would have shown me a map of the world that had me point out uh, Albania, I probably would have been like Canada or something. No, no like I wouldn't have known where it was. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a place I had heard of before, but I knew virtually nothing about uh, Albania. And then I moved here and I heard, oh, great, we're involved in the mission work in Albania. That's really great. You know, I'm glad to hear that. And something that did make that more meaningful was, was getting to meet uh, Artan and Ramira and their family. And, and it was nice to know some people, but it's still, there's a difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody. You know, I, uh, I, I can tell you some facts about Abraham Lincoln, but I don't know Abraham Lincoln. He's still distant and, and you know, I, there's no like emotional connection there. Um, but then when you actually get to know somebody, it's a completely different kind of relationship. And I am very, very thankful to have been able to go and to actually be able to know some of the work that we're do doing there and to know some of the people that we're supporting and the tremendous work that they are doing there. Um, it was uh, incredibly encouraging to me and it was a reminder, like I've said earlier in this lesson, that great things are happening throughout the world. Um, don't judge the world based on some statistic that you saw about churches in the United States or something like that. There are great things happening throughout the world for the kingdom of God. God's not asleep. God is still alive and active and well in changing hearts and changing lives. Uh, transformation is taking place, and I was able to see an incredible amount of that. Um, while we were at the uh, retreat, uh, there were a couple of things that really uh, were encouraging to me, but this was one of them. Uh, I don't know if you can see that too well, but that's a bunch of kids up there at the front. Um, at the retreat, there were like people who got up and spoke and preached, uh, but at the same time, there was a lot of work taking place among uh, the youth and a lot of young kids that were there. There were a lot of babies that were there. There were uh, toddlers. There were you know elementary school up through high school. There were people there all the way up into like their 80s, and there were people there like of every age that you can imagine. And the integration and the multi generational fellowship for me was incredibly rewarding to see. Uh, not only did we get to see uh, you know a lot of uh, old folk offer prayers and preach and stuff like that and adults, but we also got to see a bunch of the kids get up there reciting memory verses, singing songs that they had learned. And whenever I see something like that, it reminds me that not only is the work going well right now, but as a church that is in fellowship and participation with the churches in Albania, we're part of a work that's changing lives for many years to come. Uh, we're part of something that has a future, and we're part of something that is going to continue to make a positive impact. Uh, I love seeing the way that the churches were united together, not only multi-generationally, but also like throughout the country. I'm, okay, 
if we're honest, uh, it's not easy to get churches in the same city to come together and want to worship with one another. Uh, there you have churches throughout a country that are united with one another and that actually really enjoy seeing each other. That was a beautiful testimony to the unity of Christ that, that was, I mean, it was just one of the most beautiful things I had seen. That many churches that represent an entire country coming together to praise the one Lord Jesus Christ and the God and Father of all and seeing the joy that they had in meeting with each other. You know, they hadn't been able to, to do this for the last two years because of COVID. And so they were really ready to see each other. And it was, it was wonderful to see the unity that was there. It was also wonderful to get to meet some of the leadership of these churches. We mentioned there were 10 different churches represented, and uh, a lot of them, uh, you know, were, were part of the, you know, getting the retreat together. Uh, we, we support several of them uh, from here at Maryville. Uh, but one thing that stood out to me was the quality of leadership that they have in those churches and the quality of like the ministers and the teachers there were these are people first off it's they don't have like american i mean there are some american missionaries there but these churches are not being led by american missionaries teaching them how to do american church they are being led by albanian citizens, uh, people who are there, who know the language, who know the culture, who know the people, who are highly educated, who, like, I feel ignorant talking to them. They, they're, they'll talk to me in English, and then they'll mention something to someone else in Italian, and then they'll have a conversation with each other in Albanian, and I'm sitting there, you know, pretending like I know anything. And, uh, and it was incredible to me not only to see their sincerity, their zeal for evangelism, and, and the work that they're doing, even even some, you know, we went and met with, uh, with uh, the, the minister for the church in Duras. And while we got there, there were a ton of, uh, like, kids and, uh, and school-age kids there at their building. And uh, apparently that's just something that they do is after school they offer tutoring there at the church building. So kids from the school go over and they work there and they learn and they get tutored. And we went up and we met with the minister. But it's like any time we went to one of these buildings and met with someone, there was good kingdom work taking place. No matter who it was, we kept finding excellent things being done. And, uh, and that is a testament to the fact that there are people there who are gifted and are dedicated and are faithful. And that's a wonderful combination. When you have gifted people who aren't dedicated, it doesn't help all that much. And if you have, uh, well, I don't want to say the other, that sounds mean, <laughs> dedicated people who aren't gifted. No, I won't say that because God can do incredible things even with people who, uh, who might not seem as gifted. But what you do see happening there is I think there are a bunch of very impressive people who are doing uh, incredible work for the kingdom. And it was an honor to be associated with them and be a part of that movement. Um, so I like history. Uh, I'm not like a, a scholar of history or anything like that, but I enjoy learning history. And uh, this is also from the city in Duras. This is a Roman amphitheater uh, that's just there in the city. It was, um, I believe it was uh, excavated in like the 1960s. Uh, but, uh, but it's fascinating because there's like, you can kind of see it in that picture. There's houses that have been built on this area uh, where, you know, you, you would think, like, you wouldn't live 
in a Roman amphitheater. That's so cool. <laughs> but, uh, but what you see is there's, this was just life that was growing up. And then, they, then this was excavated, and so you don't, you're not building on it anymore. Uh, but it was incredible to see, like, the ancient history of Albania and the Greek and the, the Greco-Roman culture and history that was there. And there were, uh, we went to a museum, and we were able to see a bunch of the, the sculptures and some beautiful things there. But then that history has continued, and they've also had... Uh, uh, since 1912, there have been so many changes and so much history that has taken place in a relatively short period of time. Their modern history is an incredible story. Uh, from 1912, when they got their independence from the Ottoman Empire, uh, they had a large uh, population of, of Muslim uh, uh, people in Albania. Now, from what I understand, it was not... You know, there's different types of practicing, and there's some who are kind of like religious in name and in some ways, and then some who are fully dedicated to it. It sounds more like a lot of the, the Muslim culture there was kind of a cultural Islam rather than a fully dedicated, religiously uh, convicted. I imagine it depends on which person you talk to. But, uh, but that's kind of what the culture was. Then after uh, their independence from the Ottoman Empire, they eventually uh, had a monarchy, uh, they had a king, uh, until I believe it was 39 when Italy invaded and fascism uh, took over and their king ended up fleeing. And, and then uh, you ended up having uh, Nazi influence there in Albania as well until they were able to receive liberation from the Soviets and communism became uh, the government of, uh, of Albania. Eventually in the 60s, religion was outlawed in Albania. It was illegal to leave the country or to enter the country. It was basically shut off from the rest of the world. And it was a very staunch uh, form of communism that was taking place there. Uh, there was uh, violence and security. And, and, uh, or, and uh, it, basically, there was a lot that was taking place that would make it very difficult uh, for the church to thrive there. In the early 90s, with the fall of communism, though, uh, you did start having uh, churches being established. You started having the gospel being preached. One of our elders, Artan, I think was influential in a lot of ways in uh, helping the church grow and in, in, uh, get started in Albania at that time period and had a tremendous impact on the lives of many there. By the way, he's liked here. That guy is famous over there. It's like, like everyone loves Artan. And, uh, and you can see why. It was, it was wonderful being there with him. But all of that brief history lesson is to say this. There are so many ideas that are prevalent there right now, whether it's people uh, associated with Islam or atheists or uh, these different ideas. And I believe you are seeing a country where there are people thirsting for something to hold on to. And that's one of the reasons why these churches there, I mean, think about it, they're all, like, their oldest ones are from the 90s, and yet they have dedicated, faithful ministers. A lot of them are, are younger ministers who are uh, going to be working with these churches for a long period of time, and you have, like, it's incredible to see the amount of growth that's taken place in 30 years, and I can't imagine what God has in store for their future, but I'm very confident that it's going to be good, and I'm very grateful that we get to be a part of it. Uh, I'm very grateful that that gets to be part of our work as well. Uh, you have the city of Tirana, which is, uh, you know, a massive city, and there are people all throughout it who are searching. And I believe that we can have 
a profound role in helping them find. And I'm so thankful for the work that uh, has been done by this church, and I'm thankful for the work that will continue to be done. One of the ways that we've made a tremendous impact um, is through the World English Institute. Um, I, the more that I learn about the World English Institute, the more impressed I am with it, uh, and the happier I am at the results that I see from it. Uh, I met quite a few Christians over there, and I heard quite a few stories about how people came to Christ. And you know, sometimes it was, uh, sometimes there was, it was difficulty coming to Christ. You know, there was someone who, uh, you know, it was. Uh, her father wouldn't let her go to church meetings, would lock her in her room so she could not go and gather with Christians. Uh, and there were others who, who ended up suffering because of, uh, of the gospel of Christ. But I heard a bunch of different stories of how people came to Jesus. And one, uh, one element of those stories that popped up over and over again was the role of WEI, the World English Institute. And uh, so that's something I want to be sure and let you know that you have the opportunity to be involved in, and it really is making a true impact in the world. Again, it's one thing to hear about the impact, but it's another thing to actually go and see people whose lives have been changed and eternities have been changed because of it. So here's the challenge, uh, and sorry, normally the challenge is the final post. <laughs> it's not this time, there's one after this. <laughs> so don't, don't get your hopes up yet. Uh, but here's the challenge. It is for you to get personally involved in Albanian missions and uh, the work that we're doing there. And the last post, uh, the last uh, slide, is some ways that you can do that. Number one uh, is to encourage and to build relationships. Um, you know, I'm, I'm able to be, uh, even before going there, I was able to meet and get to know a number of the people that we supported, a number of the Albanian ministers and missionaries uh, through Facebook because a lot of them are on Facebook. And uh, since coming back, I have like a ton of names on my Facebook that I can't pronounce, uh, but they're wonderful people. And, uh, and so it's, it's exciting to me, uh, you know, the way that I can keep in touch. I think that's something that, that we're able to do. And so I would encourage you to try to learn who we are supporting there, uh, learn more about the works there, and then whether it's Facebook or even through letters, get involved in encouraging them. You can write letters. We'll give you addresses. You know, come talk to us. We, we, we will make sure that you can do this. And you can write letters to not only the people that we're supporting, but when there's a new Christian or when there's a baptism there, let them know that there are people on the other side of the world who love them and care about them and are rooting for them. That means something. It means something when you can see that the church, as much as you love your community, the church is even bigger than your individual closest community. And you can be a part of that for them. You can show them the love of Christ all the way on the other side of the world. So write letters, join them on Facebook, offer encouragement, um, go on a mission trip to Albania. I think we have five signed up for this summer who are going to go with WEI and, and teach people uh, from the Bible and teach people English. Uh, that, that's an opportunity we want others to be willing to take advantage of as well. So go on a mission trip. See if that's something you're willing to do. Say you're the type of person whom you don't want to go on a mission trip to Albania, but you have money. Well, great, there's use for you too. Uh, you can support someone who's going on a mission trip, or you can set aside funds specifically for uh, Albanian missions. Uh, and again, your, the sacrifices you make are not for nothing. They are truly changing lives. Not, there are a lot of ministries that we're involved in that I really like and that I'm very appreciative of and I think have uh, a, a good impact. Um, 
I think you're going to be hard-pressed to find a ministry that's doing more right now than what's taking place in Albania. And that's not to discourage or despair or anything else. It's just to say, I'm blown away by what's taking place there, and you can be an active part of it. Finally, you can join uh, with the World English Institute. Not finally, there's one more. Uh, you can join with the World English Institute. You can uh, teach people, you can sign up to look for students that you can teach English to from the Bible in Albania. And you can develop relationships with them. And you can actively become a part of evangelizing uh, that society in that country. And then finally, and this is something every one of us can and should be doing, is uh, pray for the work in Albania. That's a way every one of us can get involved. But there are a lot of options for you. And the challenge today is to find a way to be involved. Um, it's a work that I'm very excited about and I think you should be also. And I'm not going to be able to like bring it to you in its fullest. I would love to be able to. Hopefully you can, you can go there sometime and see it. Uh, but ask more questions, try to be involved, and I think it'll make a, a rich impact in your life for this church and for the church throughout the world. And if there's anyone here this morning who, as much as Christ is doing there, and as much as he's doing here, he can make an impact in your individual life as well. And you can turn your life over to him. You can have your sins washed away in baptism and live a life for Jesus from this point forward. If we can help you do that, or if you want to study, you can talk, you can come to the front row. You can meet with one of our elders in the back in the library. But if you have a need, please let it be known while we stand and as we sing.